0: We're so glad you've joined us today. And we are known for bringing you dramatic reenactments from Israel, teaching from Israel, but today things are a little bit different. Can you kind of explain that to, well, the, program's to our viewers?
1: kind of a little different. Josh and I have an alter identity on the, the Internet, social media, we're the Bearded Bible Brothers. And y'all guys who are on social media are used to our programs being a little different, unhinged, we're in our, our, uh, our bunker, you know, we have a fidget spinner. But we want to bring these messages to the television audience because they're so relevant for the age of today and today we are talking about a relevant topic it's
2: salvation now it's interesting mm. that old school religious jews and old school christians kind of have a similar view of god <laughs> jonathan edwards would talk about sinners in the hands of an angry god where he was dangling us over hellfire and <laughs> jews believe that god is angry at them all the time mm-hmm. today we have a very important topic that we're going to discuss why does god send people to hell why would a loving god a loving god send, god send, people, send people to hell, to hell? that's to find just... out Ooh, Fidji, you're elegant and beautiful. Hey, everyone, I'm Joshua. And I'm Caleb. We are joined by our DNA to each other in brotherhood. Brotherhood. You know, recently I listened to a message. I know you didn't think I did that. You listen to the Bible? Not the Bible, but somebody talk about the Bible. <laughs> so it must be right. Yeah, I mean, the guy said he was he was tackling the topic of why would a God send a loving God send people to hell? And what he suggested was that God is so awesome and we are so horrible Mm -hmm. that he doesn't have to explain why we're going to hell to us. He can just let us go to hell. And that because we're so focused on humans as being the center of the universe, Mm -hmm. that we think he's bad and mean for sending us to hell. And he is actually the center of the universe and he's so good. And he doesn't have to explain Jack to us. I have a problem with this. I'm really surprised.
1: Um, I think first the problem is the question is all wrong. Because the question is from a humanistic mindset that God is this angry, you know, person sitting on the cloud waiting to judge us and cast us into hell. The the question is framed from a wrong perspective, Josh, Um, because we don't truly know who God is. If you read the Word, uh, you know of God's goodness and the extent that he goes to to try to save us uh, from judgment. But uh, yeah, but well, know, the question tell. is kind of flawed.
2: What's hell then? If, if God
1: loves us and is good, what's hell? Well, hell's a real place, Josh. Yes, it is. I know people don't want to know, uh, believe that hell, hell, sheol, Hades. It's the same place, but it's all real. Matthew 25, 41
2: says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, hmm. this is when Yeshua is explaining about the sheep and the goats. Does that mean goats go to hell? <laughs> but sheeps have eternal life.
1: They're all stinky, Josh.
2: <laughs> Dirty-tasting goats. I'm sorry I don't like goat meat. I know a lot of you do.
1: I like it, but... Okay, so we learned two important things okay. from this verse, guys. That One, hell was made for Satan and the fallen angels. Not for us. Not, not for man. Ooh. Made for Satan. And two, we learn that we are cursed. We are born with a curse, and we join Satan in hell if we don't remove that curse.
2: So... How do I remove this curse and why am I so cursed? Okay. If he loves me, if he loves me.
1: So we go back to Adam. Okay. Adam was Good given guy. dominion over all the earth, but he was also given dominion over hell and death. Ooh. A lot of people don't know that. Oh. He was given dominion over all things. Look at you, Adam. Uh, Hebrews 2, 5, 3 explains that God made everything into subjection to Adam, but he was, he was ruler and master over all of it. He even says uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, that um, we are going to judge the angels. Well, Adam was placed in charge to judge the angels as well. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a problem. Adam sinned. Willfully, he chose to sin, and he surrendered his dominion over the whole earth, over hell, over the grave to Satan. Thus, now, he could not live forever okay he was flawed
2: he shouldn't have done that
1: uh we see when satan tempted jesus with this power and authority he said okay you've been trying to get this authority over the earth back i'll give it back to you i have rule over everything and i'm going to give you those keys back if you bow down and worship me yeshua said uh-uh no. i have a better way mm-hmm. so what did yeshua do he died on the cross and he then went to hell in ephesians 4 9 and as colossians two fifteen states having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay, we're not talking about the Romans. When Yeshua died, did he make a public spectacle of Romans? I (laughs) have ruled. No. No. He did so when he went to hell and he defeated every demon, every principality, every power, and made a public spectacle to the saints in Abraham's bosom, saying, look, I'm the Messiah, I have conquered them. And he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave away from Satan because he was worthy to do so, being the last Adam, as it says in 1 Corinthians
2: 15, 45. Now, Revelation 1:18, Yeshua says, I am he who lives and was dead. Mm-hmm. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Yeah. And now Yeshua has returned that power to us. That's and true. Matthew 16, mm-hmm. 17 through 19 says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, the church, because we now hold the keys to the kingdom.
1: So guys, we are accursed. We are born with a curse under the law of sin and death with that sin nature. And we have to choose ourselves mm-hmm. to live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.13. Go ahead.
2: Christ bought us with his blood and made us free from the law. Mm. In that way, the law could not punish us. Mm. Christ did this by carrying the load and by being punished instead of us. Mm. It is written, anyone who hangs on a cross is hated and punished.
1: Another version simply states, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So the law can still hold us accountable if we choose to live under it. And thus we choose whether we're going to get our first-class ticket to Hades or our first-class ticket to heaven. It's our choice now, Josh.
2: I think we forget this a lot when we talk about why would God not let people into heaven. Hmm. We can't pollute heaven with sin.
1: That's true. It's a Heaven place. is
2: a perfect place. Yeah. If you were to not follow the rules, if you were to be let in without accepting Yeshua as Messiah, hmm. then you would bring the sin nature that you were born into because of Adam into heaven and pollute heaven, and he simply can't let that happen.
1: See, people still have that confusing mindset that God is out to judge us, that God is out to punish us, when really the entire Bible is a love letter of him going out of his way to create this masterful plan to save us from our sins, sending his own perfect son, Yeshua, to die on our behalf for the grace of God that
2: brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify Uh, for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. When the enemy tries to convince you that the heart of the Father is for your destruction, demise, and to send people to hell, Mm -hmm. remember that the Bible continually proves the opposite. The heart of the Father is to love you and to rescue you. He not only set down a love letter, but he lived out that entire love letter his entire life Mm. perfectly for you. And for all of the generations since then, he has been fighting on your behalf Mm -hmm. to ensure that you get to see, hear, taste, and feel his presence and his love in this world that he created for us and then spend eternity with him. So guys, join us next time. And be careful where your apple comes from. I can't stress that enough. They look delicious, but as we know, they can be painful.
1: You don't want to pick the bad tree. You want, you want the good tree I apples. Pay. I like Macintosh apples, they're good. Some decent.
2: They have a new one, Cosmic Apple.
0: Guinness that can't Book be World,
2: real. Guinness Book, sweetest apple in existence. They yeah. made it in a lab. The hybrid apple's probably just just as bad as the one in that tree. Uh, Watch out for it.
0: There's a lot of hot topics that you're going to be hearing about, and this one is one that you can't put under the rug. It's something that we really need to talk about. It's heavy. Yeah. 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 Just
3: be honest. It's not like I'm going to Christian church camp and let's talk about (laughs) God sending people to hell. I mean, it's... This is a serious topic.
2: When when you realize the potential destination of all mankind because of sin, you realize that the topic has to get heavy at some point. But where the focus is, that's what makes all the difference in the world. And we have to focus on the loving heart of the Father. Mm. It keeps going back to that and it seems redundant because we miss out on that Mm. so often. The Father doesn't want you to live eternally separated from Him. He just doesn't. In fact, he sent his son Yeshua to die for you to pay the price on earth that Adam sold away through sin Mm -hmm. so that when he died, he went to hell. He took death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys, and he now owns the rights to us. And all we have to do is choose him, choose his sacrifice and salvation through Yeshua. That love should be the
1: heart of our focus when it comes to
2: salvation. And it flips it. It it flips flips it from
3: doom and gloom to there's a lot of joy. And
1: that's the true purpose of of the gospel of salvation. But you can't talk about salvation with talking about sin. I know that's a wordy dirt that everybody (laughs) doesn't want to talk (laughs) about in the church, but it's also because it makes it an absolute. There is good and evil, light and dark, uh, white and black. And so here's our topic, the wordy dirt, sin. Hope you enjoy this next teaching. Hey, everybody, I'm Joshua. And I'm Caleb. We're brothers. We are brothers. I got to say it. Hey guys, today we are going to talk about everyone's favorite wordy dirt. Ooh! Josh! No? No, we're going to talk about sin! Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, so sin is kind of a loaded weapon these days. Oh. It is true. Um, it's that way because people have misused it in the past, like, Hey sinner, come to Jesus now! Uh, you know how it's created this stigma uh, amongst even like Mac- the church. McGruff the Crime Dog <laughs> <laughs> met like the, the Smokey the Bear. But because the church had this bag stigma attached with the word sin, they knee-jerk reaction the other way in which now the church doesn't speak about sin at all. You don't really hear about it. And what, what is sin, Josh? Sin is just falling short of God's standard for living. It's doing things our way, which, believe me, automatically uh, reverts to Satan's way Than God's way. You know, sin is kind of like a virus, okay?
2: You you, you get get it, it. I totally get it. Track with me here. You get it, Mm -hmm. generally in ways you're ashamed of and (laughs) don't want to say in public. Then you spread it to others, (laughs) generally in ways you're ashamed of and don't want to say in public. And you get other people infected, and uh, then it keeps growing, and you keep yeah. getting weaker, and then you keep falling for the same things over and over mm. again. And the whole time, you, you know, you have the ability to stop it, not, not by being in a basement with a mask and avoiding people with orange <laughs> hair, but no, because you could stand on the Word of God, and you can, you can oppose it and defy it, but no.
1: You know what, Josh? I find it interesting. You look back at the creation of our world. God made this this new world, and Adam and Eve, and everything was perfect. Mm. And then you had this little devil crawling around in the garden. He was full of sin. He was the first sinner. He was corrupt and dark. But even while Satan was crawling around in the garden trying to tempt Adam and Eve, the world wasn't fallen. How is that, Josh, that it wasn't until Adam made the choice to sin. Eve was just deceived. Adam made the choice to sin that then creation was fallen because dominion was given to Adam. And well, the knowledge of good and evil is already in us because with that sin, it came at first. So people go around and they say, well, uh, I don't really know if that's right. There's, you know, some people you may think they have no moral center or it's ambiguous. Is, is there really morals or values? I don't know. Everyone has the knowledge of good and evil because of the sin nature. They could even say
2: it's ambiguous. Uh, in John eight thirty four through thirty six, Jesus answered them, "Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Yeah. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free." indeed. James 1 14 to 15 says that, uh, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Uh, yeah. Then when desire was conceived, it gives birth to sin yeah. and sin when it is full grown uh, brings birth to death. Okay. That's the interesting concept because mm-hmm. the, the allure of sin is that it's not that bad. Yeah. The allure is it comes with this fun other side to it, fun Bobby. Fun Bobby is always the guy that goes along with sin, and everything's gonna be great with fun, Bobby. But the issue is, it gives birth, what the Bible says, eventually to
1: death. So is God really mean? It's all him, he's trying, it's him that's killing us by this sin? No, is he knew that when the fallen state came into being, that doing those things that were harmful in sin would bring harm to your body. It would also separate us uh, morally and spiritually from God. We would have that separation. uh, But he already knew these laws were in effect the law of sin and death, if you will. Satan knew it too. And so that's why he wants to pull you into sin because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He knows that he can destroy you faster if you jump into sin. That's what the Bible says in Romans 6:23 yeah.
2: that the wages of sin mm. is death. In mm. Hebrews 927 28 yeah. says, and it is appointed unto men to die once, but after this judgment, wow. so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. God okay. is gracious and he is kind, right. and that is preached a lot. Yeah, we preach um, but uh, the, the funniest way I've heard it pre- recently is yeah. that we've adopted this greasy grace uh, doctrine grace. that we're just going to slide on into heaven on the grace and that everything's going to be good and dandy and God wouldn't judge us at all because that would be mean No, him. because
1: God's, God's there to judge the wicked. He's a just God, so He's going to go out, He's going to judge the wicked. But what if the wicked cries out to God, Hey, what about your people, the church? They're mean the same sins we are. 1 Peter four seventeen <laughs> through 18 says, For the time has come for judgment
2: to begin mm. at the house of God. Mm. And if it begins with us first, then what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Hmm. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear?
1: Well, that's kind of scary, Josh. That means that uh, even we in the church, there's consequences for our actions now. And I truly believe the church has gotten away from this. They have this mentality that you repented one time, you received salvation, and that's it. No, you should be repenting daily. Oh, but now we can do all the fun things that the world does. No, you need to turn your you're back from the things of the world and go back to God and not to commit those same sins over and over again. So I believe judgment's coming. The scripture just said judgment's coming to the house of God.
2: To be clear, he is not saying that you lose your salvation if you do not repent verbally for every sin every day. We are talking about walking in a lifestyle of holiness versus walking in a lifestyle Mm. of sin that one sin after another sin leads you down a path to physical destruction, Mm -hmm. the destruction of your spirit, man, your soul. It's trying Mm -hmm. to murder you. You think that possibly the idea that God would judge you means that he's a bad God? Well, if you ever had a child that reached out for fire and tried to touch the fire, what'd you do? You pulled them back and you issued them punishment for doing that because you didn't want them to do it again. Same with crossing the road, mm. doing this, doing that. We are God's children. there are things that we think we don't know or we do know that we shouldn't do and we do it anyway. Yeah. What it boils down to is that we're in a time period where the demarcation line is drawn mm. and right and wrong is pretty clear. So is black and white and yeah. you know what you're choosing. You want to say that you don't know, but you know what you're choosing. And God knows what you're choosing, and He knows your heart. That's right. And so instead of fighting over it or trying the semantics of... of arguing for why it's okay and not that bad, just repent and move on. That's There's no good. condemnation for that. Yeah. He just wants you to be on a path of life and on a righteousness and not on a
1: path that's leading you to destruction, both physically here or possibly spiritually later. That's right. God has a great plan for your life. You cannot fulfill it unless you walk in obedience to Him and you're calling in His greatness, not just on this earth, but in the age to come. And to make sure and ensure that that calling in the age to come is great, you obey God in this earth because this is our training ground now our preparation for the eternity. And we love you guys. That's why we're giving this message. We know people don't like to talk about sin, but we are talking about because we love you.
2: So <laughs> check in next time and definitely avoid things like refined sugar, simple carbohydrates. That's sin? <laughs> um, the love that of animals. I'm bleeping all this stuff other, out. I gave them things to bleep. This is I'm what bleeping. I'm doing right now so they could end on a big, nice bleep. Nancy Pelosi, saturated fat, Epstein's Island,
0: He was just only expecting the first plea. This is never easy for me to talk about, especially on camera. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was the pastor. But behind the scenes of our family, there was some sin going on, and it it Mm. affected our whole family. And um, it's so sad that even today... Sin can be
2: like that. And so you probably just listen to what we said and go, man, y'all guys are even more harsh and legalistic than my church is. No, we're explaining that God has a set standard for sin, a black and a white and relativism of today tries to suggest that whatever you're okay with, you know what, just repent later and it's going to be okay. But that's not how God is. He has a set right and a set wrong. And
3: it affects everybody. And it affects everybody
2: when you don't follow it.
1: Now, a very important topic to us is salvation to the Jewish people. you got to preach the gospel to the Jew first. And most people believe since Paul says the whole house of Israel will be saved, oh, we don't need to witness to the Jews, but it's very important. So our next subject is the remnant of Israel.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Joshua. And I'm Caleb. And we're brothers. No, wait. That's not hyperbole. We're actually brothers, as in 23andMe validates that we got the same mom and dad brothers. We're
1: asked that question a lot. We see in uh, in posts on
2: Facebook and YouTube. Because we we look so dissimilar. Mm -hmm. that it could be a farce. (laughs) Guys, we love engaging with you on YouTube and Facebook. Mm -hmm. We love answering questions because this whole platform is supposed to be family. We're supposed to be able Mm -hmm. to open conversations up, ask questions, and and provide answers that hopefully bring clarity. So today, we want to address a question that we've got on social media here from my good friend, Casey Klein. Thank you for asking this wonderful question. The question is, I'm truly curious and not trying to argue you just said corporately all Israel will be saved, so those who don't come to Christ will still be saved? Question mark. Why witness to our own people if that's the case? Just curious. Casey, don't worry. I never thought you
1: would ever be argumentative. <laughs> so I appreciate the sincerity of your question. Well, that's, that's, a a, good question. that's a really good question. Um, throughout the entire Bible, its entire purpose, in fact, Uh, we see this same message reoccurring uh, through the prophets of the Lord, through the leaders, through Yeshua himself, that God desires to save the entire house of Israel. And he's sending uh, Yeshua to rule over them for a thousand years. That's like the entire purpose of the Bible. It, which it's true. is true. It's kind of a big deal. It's true. Now, Paul reminds us in Romans eleven twenty six, saying all of Israel will be saved and turn away from their sins. So we know what's going to happen. But Matthew twenty four thirteen says that, uh, it's only those who survive great tribulation until the end will be saved. Okay. So all will be saved mm-hmm. or all who get persecuted really bad will be saved. Hey, we're Jews. We know persecution,
2: don't we? (laughs) We've seen a thing or two, right?
1: Thousands of years of persecution. Let's see, Haman tried to annihilate us. Hitler, you know, the pogroms. We're used to that, you know. Uh, Genesis 3.15 says that the seed of the serpent would forever be at enmity with the seed of a woman. So we understand that. But we're talking about the tribulation here. Seven Uh, years of judgment. You know, the first three and a half years... What's uh-huh. the tribulation again? The tribulation spoken of in Revelation and oh, in okay. Daniel. End of so the story. seven years of judgment where God judges the wicked while the beast, the Antichrist, is taking power and ruling. Well, the first three and a half years actually go pretty well for the Jews because this illustrious Messiah figure, of the beast, signs a peace treaty with Israel that uh, their enemies cannot attack her. They rebuild they the that. temple, reinstitute animal sacrifices. In fact, everything is going well until day 1260, the three and a half year point, the beast marches into the temple into the Holy of Holies, sits on the mercy seat and declares himself to be God. Is anyone else impressed that he knew that three and a half years was 1260 days right off the top of his head? It's the Bible, man. They give a a number in the Bible. That's how I know. Of course. Anyways, from that point on, Yeshua and Daniel warned Jews flee into the wilderness, go to Basra for a great time of persecution is coming. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, says in Jeremiah. And so during this time, uh, there is 144,000 Jews that step forward and start preaching the gospel of Yeshua. But still, many of the Jews do not believe upon Yeshua. And it isn't until the very end of the tribulation, when Yeshua comes with the clouds, with the armies of heaven, he steps foot upon the Mount of Olives. They look upon him who they have pierced. They mourn as if for their only son. They see the holes in his hands and feet. And the Jews corporately, as one people, say, Baruch Hebab Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They believe upon him as Messiah. But Zechariah states, which is very important. uh, In Zechariah 13, 13, 13, seven through nine, it's only a remnant of Israel. Only one third of the Jews that survived the great tribulation will believe corporately. That's why our message is so impending. So what it is saying is they all will, but it will be the ones at
2: that time period who've made it through, who've held fast, Who will be in that group that's
1: considered all that's right casey that's why we need to witness to our jewish Mm -hmm. brethren that's why we need to witness to gentiles jews alike now because you have to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that yeshua is the son of god there's no other way whereby we can be saved. Unfortunately, over the years, you've heard lots of doctrines that might suggest there's no need
2: to go out and to share your salvation or to share the love of Yeshua with others Mm -hmm. because it might be predetermined. And if it's predetermined, why should we do anything? Because we have no involvement. But at the end of the day, if love is what spurned God to send Yeshua down for us, an action, right? And love is what spurned Yeshua to live a spotless, blame-free life and then die on the cross for us, another action, Wouldn't it make sense that action on our part in representation of that love is what we need to do for the world around us? Mm. We don't know who will go to heaven and hell, that's not for us to decide. But we do know that we have the understanding of the greatest love in history, and if you have that in your heart, why wouldn't you want to share that with every man, woman and child on this planet, regardless of what they may choose or who chooses for them or what that theology ends up with God who ultimately decides? I would think that if you had that love in your heart and you want to spread it with the world.
1: that's true. Thank you for your questions. Continue to send them, and we will continue to answer
2: Especially you, Casey, because, well,
1: you were brave enough to ask a question. This has become a controversial topic in the church for remnant of Israel. It's become a loaded weapon for some pastors to try to scare the Jewish people into salvation, saying, hey, look at all these that are going to die at the end of the tribulation, come to Messiah now. That's not our heart or our intent. We want to uh, galvanize you, the believer, to bring the gospel to the Jewish people, you doing your job and showing the love of Messiah to his own chosen people. And we're offering this book in this uh, episode, The Bible Jesus Read. We're giving it to you as a gift when you give us an offering. And Zola wrote this book, and you can see the Messiah in the Old Testament. You can utilize this as a witnessing tool to reach the Jewish people from a Jewish perspective of the Old Testament where you see Messiah just throughout the whole thing. It's it's really amazing.
3: He desires for the Jewish people to all be saved. Yes, he does. But also those Gentiles get in on it. That's right. I mean, salvation for all. Everyone. And if there's any, any message, I think, from the program today, it is that. He desires for us Mm. and for all of you to be saved. And He he gives a lot in return for that. He gives a lot back to us.
2: Very much so, so if you haven't made that decision in your life, the Mm. Father is calling you today. You are His child and He wants to commune with you, to tabernacle with you for eternity just as He did with Adam in the garden. So pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I accept Yeshua, your Son, as my Lord and Savior. I believe He died on the cross and rose again on the third day. Please come in and be the Lord of my life. In the name of Yeshua, amen.
0: Amen. It's as simple as that prayer. As we were praying there, forgive me, but I had a little song going through my head. I don't know if you know it. I am bound for the promised land. You know it? I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? (laughs) We are bound for the promised land. We're going again. Yes, we we are. are. Yes, Yes, we would love for you to join us on a tour to Israel. It will change your life. You can find all the information on levitt.com. Can't wait to be with you guys on a bus.
3: We'd also like to invite you to partner with us in getting this good news out to the world. We make it easy for you. You'll probably see it right below me right now. And uh, partner with us as we reach the world, Jews and Gentiles for the Lord.
0: lot more hot topics that we're going (laughs) to share together, but I can't believe it's time to go today. It is. So as we always say, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.
2: Our offer on this program, The Bible Jesus Read, is an entertaining and thorough tour of the Old Testament, a readable study that is relevant to all who want to understand the beginning of God's plan and the roots of the church on earth.
0: The theology is understandable and treated with thoroughness. The Bible Jesus Read. Join us right now on our social media sites for exclusive content. Visit our website levitt.com for tour information, broadcast schedule, free monthly newsletter, and online store. Call us anytime at 1-800-WONDERS and ask about this week's resource. Our Jewish Roots is a presentation of Zola Levitt Ministries. Partner with us as a 100% viewer funded ministry Your gifts allow us to bring you our weekly television series, social media outlets, website, and other ministry endeavors. Please remember, we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.